0: Two Guys Talking Nostalgia Engine is here. And we need your help. Two Guys Talking has begun stockpiling reviews of great, classic movies, and we want to know what you want us to review. Access twoguystalking.com now and tell us which classic movies, on DVD and Blu-ray, we should put into the Two Guys Talking perspective review crosshairs and help us fuel the Internet's best repository for engaging, nostalgic feature film reviews. Access TwoGuysTalking.com and click any one of the Nostalgia Engine pictures. Tell us which movies you want right now. Action, horror, comedies, even the occasional rom-com. Access TwoGuysTalking.com. That's the number two. GuysTalking.com. The Nostalgia Engine. Ride in nostalgic style while you listen. TwoGuysTalking.com. GuysTalking.com. that both exists and doesn't exist
1: all at the same time. For those in the know, SHIELD, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counter-terrorism and intelligence agency run by director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. SHIELD's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking.
0: Inhumans. We've now had years to learn about them, to see their power, their rise and fall. But what's left to learn? A lot. Marvel's crafted another series, this time on network, to add even more flavor to the ever-growing deck of character and story cards that make up the Marvel Universe. Does this new launch stand up to scrutiny? What new characters, stories, and lore will we be granted as the Inhumans two-part launch arrives? We'll find out inside this very special review of Marvel's Inhumans via the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode, this time of Marvel's Inhumans, episode one, Behold the Inhumans, and two, Those Who Would Destroy. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts.
2: Yeah, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host.
0: Nick, a ton to talk about inside this very special review series, but first, some quick housekeeping. How inhuman reviews will work. They're going to come on, we're going to review them. <laughs> I wish it was always well, that's that simple. Di- that's, but, that's dirt simple. Yeah, yeah. There's only eight episodes that we're aware of currently inside of this first offering. And
2: this is two of them right here.
0: And this is two of them. So, again, there will be probably so, six more reviews on top of this, uh, depending on where it goes or if there's something auxiliary that can be added, perhaps some sort of crossover. We might throw something else in there, too. But uh, this is dedicated and focused specifically on Marvel and humans. On ABC. And or Hulu or your favorite streaming service horror galore and a library relaunch Nick it's been 12 years that the two guys talking podcast network has been in operation and we are officially relaunching each and every one of our evergreen episodes which is a ton of content to issue out
2: would you say that you have a plethora of podcasts, El Guapo
0: with capital letters without question Uh, It's so much so that I don't actually understand how I'm going to release it all. The cool part is that I will never be saddened by having way too much content to launch. Right. And that's the shoes I'm in right now. With the exception of uh, altering some commercials to convey new sponsor sets and making sure that the stuff that's being issued is evergreen. It's just going to be a ton of fun, but it's also a great opportunity for listeners to find other ice cream flavors inside the Two Guys Talking podcast network. Check it all out over at twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. You can also find everything if you just go and visit the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. website. Again, that's agentsofshield.tv. Nick, I'm all dressed in black, white zigzags all over the place, and I am ready to review marvel in humans are you ready
2: i have my bright red wig on and i'm ready to rock
0: is that a wig dude really
2: yeah i don't know it looks real doesn't it
3: sponsored by acoustica's mixed craft recording software bloggers bug and the saint charles office center
0: full disclosure the overall awareness of the Inhumans. I wanted to make sure we took a very detailed bullet point here Mm. to make sure that everyone is aware that I know nothing about any of the characters (laughs) I'm going to be picking here. (laughs) I I can remember that a bulldog, a giant bulldog was being drawn in comic books. I remember that vividly. I remember uh, passing through it inside of the reading, inside of my Marvel Universe encyclopedia back in the day mid to late 80s the early to mid 80s was a wonderful series of white covered, incredibly thick detailed and wonderfully drawn comics called the Marvel Universe Encyclopedias. They were tremendous Uh, they still are in board and plastic inside of all of my boxes I refuse to open them because they are pristine (laughs) but they are wonderful and inside of there I do remember seeing Lockjaw but I'm telling you, that's it. I, I have absolutely no concept at all of what we're going to be watching, except that these are products of Terragenesis, which we have kind of gotten, thanks to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, we've and gotten a lot our of it dialogue. over
2: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah.
0: Yeah. But even the process of Terragenesis inside of this series that we've seen here inside of the first, I don't know, what, 30, 35 minutes of this episode? Mm-hmm. Totally different. It's completely different. And so that's, uh, again, why I wanted to make sure that there was some absolute full disclosure, especially on my part, that I am in no way some sort of specialist about the races, characters, and people that we're going to see inside of the series, which I think will actually give our episode reviews a lot of flavor.
2: Full disclosure, as your comic book guru, the Inhumans, honestly, up until about not even 10 years ago, they were always just in the background. Mm-hmm. Being an inhuman mm-hmm. was a very selected thing, yeah, mutants you were born that way, and it happened when you had puberty and eventually it was the next step in human evolution mm-hmm. in humans that's it's it's not a step in human evolution. It's alien tampering, and it's becoming something more than human or inhuman. Mm-hmm. and about i want to say about ten years ago, Marvel Comics really started pushing the inhumans to be a Another brand, mm. if, to say. Okay. And re- very recently, they've actually gone up against the X-Men. The X-Men and the Inhumans have actually been butting heads in Marvel comic books for a while. Mm. That's been all resolved. Everybody sh- shook hands and they're friends again. But mm-hmm. uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because a lot of properties are owned by Marvel Disney we can't get mutants. We can't have the X Men. We can't have those characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So what's what's the uh, what's the solution, Wilkerson?
0: We get um, inhumans. I think we just make something that is not quite human. Why don't we call them uh, inhumans? <laughs> and uh, so that's what we get. And anyway. me personally,
2: I don't know everything there is to know about the Inhumans. I mm-hmm. know enough, mm-hmm. uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what. The show, how the show represents the characters and my knowledge of what I know of the characters themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's several things that we're going to do to foster this, too. One is we're going to link to all of the character bios that are over at Marvel.com inside the show notes for this episode. You can find all that over at agentsofshield.tv. What we're also going to do is over on our Facebook presence, uh, the very first one I made today, you can see what is Black Bolt inside of the series Versus what he looks like inside of the comic books, hmm. which, with the exception of there being black and white zigzags on him, he kind of looks nothing like him, hmm. except that he's got an incredibly square jaw and he's silent. So the, there's the big comparison there for Black Bolt, right. but you can see all of what he actually should look like over at agentsofshield.tv. The background imagery is something we're going to be rotating throughout the, the eight-episode series here and then throughout the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season. That's kind of where we ask you guys of what we're going to see inside of the Inhumans on ABC. I'm curious, which piece do you guys think we need to know the most about? Stop what you're doing, go over to agentsofshield.tv, click on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, or click on the new green tab that will allow you to leave a voicemail for us right now. You can do all that right now over at agentsofshield.tv. The nitty gritty details. Nick, I've now watched this twice. The first time was in that weekend IMAX presentation
2: Uh that
0: was at one of the. We actually have two. We luck out in St. Louis, and then we actually have two really solid, good IMAX presentation venues. Mm -hmm. And I went to the one out in Chesterfield to go and watch this. It was amazing. What added to it being amazing, not only that it was on this gargantuan screen that you are absolutely amazed by, there were nine people total. Oh, wow. So the four people, me and three other people, and then five other people. So it was like a big, giant living room that you were able to watch. in. the difference is that the living room is, I don't know, four elephants high.
2: Right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It was just, it was, it was amazing. What I also appreciated about it was, I don't know if it's just because I I don't get out to IMAX often at all. I think the last time I went to IMAX was, what well it was, it was Dark Knight. Mm. Dark Knight was the last time I was in IMAX. And it's not because I wouldn't go or refuse to go. It's just you got to draw me. If, if I can go and see something awesome and digital on a screen, in fact, the largest screen that, if I'm not mistaken, is in Missouri is... Fifteen minutes from my house. Mm. If I can go see everything I watch in digital on the largest screen available, or I can pay another at least fifty percent, probably eighty percent, to go and watch it on an IMAX screen, I, I, you've got to really you've got to give it to me, so that I get something that can tide me over that gives me reason to do that.
3: Mm.
0: But obviously, I did it for this one because I've never seen that. I've never seen where they take the television presentation, they shove it into IMAX, and the IMAX screen just happens to be less than 20 minutes from my house.
2: But it wasn't all IMAX, was it, Mike?
0: I don't know. It was all immaculate. Mm. It was all huge. There wasn't a time where I go, "Oh, this is not IMAX." I didn't have that. There wasn't like, and look at the black bars on the sides of the screens at the tops of the bottoms, or I, I don't even see, I don't even know what it would look like if it wasn't. Mm. So I didn't, I didn't have that.
2: So the second time you watched it was at home mm-hmm. on, on on television, mm-hmm. on Hulu,
0: it looked and it wonderful. looked
2: exactly the same.
0: I think it actually looked better. I was watching it on my uh, plasma. The plasma screen presentation, you know, all of the new TVs that have all the new doodads and gimmicks and mm. wazoo's and apps and whatever the hell else, those are all awesome. But I am telling you, those of you that have not seen a traditional presentation on a plasma screen... Man, they're huge and they're bulky and they weigh a ton, but they've got impact. The blacks inside of something like a a presentation inside of a plasma screen, I've seen it inside of those brand new, super thin OLED screens. It's incredibly dark and it's incredibly pitch black. I still don't think that it's as pitch black as a plasma screen. Now, that could be that I paid a lot of money for mine and I don't want to let it go, but (laughs) uh, I really, I always enjoy... Watching something, especially that's on Hulu, inside of my presentation, inside of my home studio office, because of that plasma screen being there, it's just, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episodes that I watched for multi-seasons inside of 24 for the 24 Podcast over at 24podcast.com, it's amazing. The, the amount of detail that you see, the the contrast that you're able to get of Jack Bauer underneath a garbage truck. When would you ever say those words and then go, and that was memorable? Okay, well, it
2: was.
0: (laughs) So that I loved. I'm also, uh, the new big cushy chairs that are inside of theaters, that's not what was inside the IMAX presentation at all. It was a much more traditional theater chair that I actually like. That now big giant drag slash lean over to getting into the the giant leather, incredibly comfy, uh, if you push the right buttons, your feet go up chairs. That's nappy time for Mike Wilkerson because he <laughs> you you put on the 60 degree air conditioning which I love by the way I absolutely love it but you give me some 60 degree air conditioning a giant screen an incredibly comfortable chair and raising my feet nappy time right. I, I just I, I I shudder to think that almost all of our major including that largest screen one by the way that happens next week the changeover of both of those gargantuan theaters inside of that mega screen, mm. both of those changeover to those huge ass cushy chairs, mm. that actually is also going to take the amount of people that can be fit into it down.
2: True, true. Now, I did not, I did not go and see this in the theater. I, I wasn't going to spend the money on IMAX when I read specifically that not everything was shot with IMAX cameras. So. I didn't see why I needed to go and see it three weeks early when I could watch it in the comfort of my own home on my big screen HDTV. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, we're reviewing this show. I mean, we're right here. We're reviewing it, mm-hmm. so I must there must be something about it that I like, but I'm going to tell you this. After watching it at home, in the comfort of my own home, I'm glad I didn't waste the money because nothing I saw in this show garnered a trip to a movie theater paying triple the price of a regular ticket for me to see something really pretty
0: that's actually what we ask you guys did you guys go see this in IMAX did you go see it three weeks early did you enjoy it <laughs> let us know what you think by again going over to our website that's agentshipshield.tv. click anywhere on the right hand side fill out the quick web form and tell us what did you think <laughs> A jungle chase. All right, so here we are inside of the front end of the episode. The jungle chase music begins. There's a reasonably attractive young lady that's running through being chased by people with automatic rifles, running for her life, and boom, in pops a dude named Triton who's busy introducing himself when they should be fleeing and hiding someplace. It felt a little hurried, it also felt a little added on. But at least we jump in with both feet, which is what I was worried about with this series. How much has to be introduced inside of a series where nobody really knows anything? Right. And so they did. They jumped in with both feet. Having now watched this twice... There are some other details I was able to glean by actually paying attention to what I was hearing mm-hmm. rather than seeing, because of course I went and saw it in the IMAX presentation, uh-huh. and I mean, it, it was bi- spellbinding. You, you watch and you are watching this giant mega screen inside this mega jungle with all kinds of awesome going on inside of one of the islands of Hawaii. It's, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was really well done, uh, but I liked it a lot. It, it, it's harrowing, it's quick, and it gives us some very strange finality that, that of course includes no body.
2: Well, I know you said that it's it, it seems a little strange and tacked on, but if I was running through the jungle because I had just transformed into something that I didn't know that I was, mm-hmm. and then a green guy pops up to save my life, said Oh, come with me. I'm Triton, I'm a friend, you're one of us, you're an inhuman. We probably should have found cover before he started telling me that. But <laughs> that's the what thing I'm saying. is But that's the thing. He's a big green man. Sadly enough, I don't think enough money was spent on the prosthetics because Triton in the comic books is more, I don't want to say creature from the Black Lagoon, but definitely amphibian man esque. Okay. This was just, he looked like he had a fin, a tiny little fin on his head Mm -hmm. and maybe some gills at the side and green. Yeah. I I, I was a little disappointed with
0: that, but. I almost think it's compensatory to exactly how much screen time he had.
2: True, but this is only the first episode or the first two outings here. Right, and we're going to get to we're going to get to of eight. Yes, <laughs> but here's the thing: if you if it was a human-looking person who popped up, maybe I would have understood the pause. Come come with me if you want to live. Yeah. yeah. But when you're popping up and you're a green dude, you got to kind of explain yourself first. So I so I, I wrote that off as, oh uh, okay,
0: a bed. I brought along with me my wife, a dear comic book friend, Mr. Kip Lewis, mm-hmm. another guest of mine, and my fourteen-year-old daughter. If I'm not mistaken, less than four minutes into the program, where Medusa and Black Bolt are a chunking, I, I don't think it was it wasn't it was, it was tasteful. I will very give very tasteful. That. I just know that it was a conversation that I was not anticipating. Because it was one of the first things she asked about when we got done.
2: What were they doing on the bed?
0: W- specifically, she was asking what, what's going on with the hair, because she knows nothing about anything inside of comic books in general. But she asked specifically about the hair, but then also why were they naked? And I, I just told her, you know, they're enjoying their time together. It's the king and the queen, and they have the best lives possible. It's it's pretty awesome. And by adults the way, adults have naked time. Yeah, it's something that you won't have until you're probably I don't know, forty. 43
2: something like that. <laughs> the scene is a great example of what Medusa's hair can do. And that's going to be one of my big gripes throughout all of this is that <laughs> this is one of three examples of what Medusa's hair yeah. can do. Yeah. Three the other examples. Ones, yeah,
0: the others are contained in a, in a series of adult videos that you obviously <laughs> can't watch on Hulu or ABC. But we'll be sure to link to all of those triple x-rated medusa hair videos over at agentsofshield.tv go check it out now (laughs) the castle on the moon something that we often get feedback about is that the last seven minutes of content that were on the screen are something i've now made three bullet points about uh, we are not going to get that granular inside of the episode, but mm. these are things that struck me that I thought really did need some attention because this now third item, the castle on the moon, is extraordinary. Yes, I, I don't want to hear anything about my God! How crappy can the effects? No, this was. No, not this is where a they spent all the effects on. Uh, it was. This one, and Lockjaw. It was awesome. Yeah, th- this was this was absolutely awesome.
2: I was actually surprised that they they kept. As much of the lore, uh, the comic book lore, as they did, because once upon a time, the Inhumans, including the royal family, the royal family that we're introduced to in this episode mm-hmm. in the in Marvel Comics, actually started off hidden away on Earth in the Himalayas. That's where Adelan was. They interacted with the Fantastic Four. That was their very first appearance. Was in the Fantastic Four books. Uh, actually, Crystal had a had a thing with Johnny Storm for a while. Mm and once earth became once the eyes of earth were way too focused on the inhuman population black bolt decided to move Adelan to the blue area of the moon and the blue area of the moon in marvel comics is a it's a mystical place because there's actual atmosphere there you can breathe if uh, any of my x-men comic friends are listening they'll know that that is the the iconic area that the X-Men fought the Shi'ar Imperial Guard for the fate of Jean Grey during the Dark Phoenix Saga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the blue area of the moon is a very important place in Marvel Comics. Now here, of course, we're not establishing the blue area of the moon. Adelaine is protected by some futuristic, science-y force field. Great. But I'm glad that we actually are on the moon and we're keeping a little bit of that comic book yeah. history.
0: Yeah, the, the ability and the the consistency that Marvel has taken to try and keep some, uh, again, I'll use that word granular piece of what is history and lore inside of the comics across almost all board, mm. I really do appreciate yes. that. Yes. Uh, also, the alterations that they've decided to take, the departures, I think those are also incredibly welcome, too. I would point to the most recent Spider-Man film, Spider-Man Homecoming, where, the, I don't know, what, 65, 70% of origin... Ain't origin anymore. Yeah, it, it's something yeah. almost completely different. Mm-hmm. But it all works and it all fits like Lego blocks inside of what's been built for Marvel. And so I'm absolutely fine with that. It gives a nod to the past mm-hmm. while at the same time constructing a future that is absolutely constructive. And I love that. Nope. That's not real sign language. One of the wonderful pieces of having a former certified sign language interpreter for the deaf on staff, i.e. me, is that we're going to be able to dig in, though I don't know how much you guys really care about it, (laughs) the the sign language that's being used inside of the Black Bolt experience inside of this show. Uh, One, no, this is not real sign language. Are they using real American sign language? No. I mean, like, not at all.
2: Well, I'm sorry There's, if anybody thought that they—not uh, to insult anybody—but if anybody thought that in humans who live on the moon are using real American sign language, you do realize that you're watching a comic book show, right? Uh, right. You got to think these, these these people don't have Netflix and chill. Right. They, I, they're not Americans. They're not Earthlings.
0: Right. Having having just seen the St. Louis-based Billy Joel concert at which there were four interpreters providing the interpretations of the songs. What I can tell you is that interpretation of sign language is a very skilled thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, More importantly, there's more than one way to skin the proverbial sign language cat. So there are many ways to say kind of the same things, especially depending on your facial expression, your body language, the actual veracity of your signs. There's all kinds of things that lend to that. But nothing inside of what they're saying here, or at least what Medusa is interpreting of what he is saying, none of that is showcased in any kind of formal sign language that I can discern.
2: Right. So, and the great thing about it is is that Black Bolt knows this. That's why later on, you know, later on in the second episode when he's in custody, he doesn't even try because right. he knows he can't communicate with these people.
0: Right. Right. And, and I, I really appreciate that. There's mm-hmm. a, there are a bunch of stuff that we're going to talk about inside of the, the second episode review here that. I I thought was brilliant in in that regard because, again, we're going to focus on it more inside the second episode in particular, but how stupid and how fast can a silent character get? Mm. And the answer is pretty damn stupid, pretty damn fast. And we don't get that, but there's going to be more detail about that towards the end of this review. The writing on the cube matches Coulson's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. scribings. Wow. These are the pieces of tapestry, quite literally, that happen inside of this show that matches Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that matches everything else that you see, that makes this wonderful warm blanket that keeps you grounded inside of something that literally is not on the ground.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I love that. I love that they bother to take detail and provide that connective tissue that we've been talking about since day one.
2: And I think that was, uh, that's one of the reasons why we decided to actually do the reviews. For true. True. Because technically speaking you could look at it as eh, it's eight episodes, it's something that isn't really focusing on what we talk about. Right? But what have we been saying for years? It's all connected. Mm-hmm. And this is a perfect example of yeah. that. That is the exact same Cree hieroglyphics that Coulson had stuck in his brain after after his visit to Tahiti, mm-hmm. which is not a magical place. It sucks this solidifies what we've been told on agents of shield of the inhuman race that they are connected to the kree the the alien race of the Cree. Mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is just giving us more of that
0: yeah yeah the, the more spackle that can be thrown on the wall that helps ground us all into this lore this this overall arching storybook i love all of that mm-hmm. it's done for the most part inside of this series so far wonderfully there's only a couple of times where i go man that's a great set (laughs) you know because there are there's some fantastic sets inside of this series i just i look at it and i go and that is a great set rather than it somehow just bleeding into this thing that's you know monster gargantuan "Ah." right but that's a good thing that's a good thing especially considering the budget that's spent for the show Introducing and pulling off a giant transportational bulldog that they use force perspective, i.e., just some more digital graphics, at the beginning of this to make Lockjaw look like it's, oh, look at Lockjaw. It's going to be this great little bull. Well, wait a minute. What the hell is that? Yeah. I was afraid that it was going to be stupid. And I had grabbed accidentally a couple of, in fact, it was on stupid Facebook. And it's why I haven't I, – I got a new phone recently, and I've not installed Facebook on my phone recently, and it's because of it. Hmm. I don't want to mouse over and movies start playing where I'm going to see stuff that's going to spoil stuff for me. Yeah. Uh, the gist is that they got Lockjaw 100%.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I have to admit, the, this was going to be the make-or-break-it moment for the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. If you're going to you, – you, you have to have Lockjaw. He's a staple in the, in the comic books, and not just with the Inhumans. He's, he's appeared in several other comic books away from the Inhumans. Hmm. In the comic books, Lockjaw is more, very, very more independent and doesn't act like a dog.
0: Right. That's unlike the,
2: unlike this one.
0: Which, which is a giant bulldog. Which which on this screen. one does
2: look like a giant. Yes, right. it it's does look like a giant bulldog. It's croaching and, right. and
0: and and rubbing its butt on the ground,
2: which I'm fine with. Yes, that, I'm absolutely fine that's with that. That's fine. You can yeah. uh, to make people to make a, a TV audience that doesn't read comic books be able to buy this character, make him more like a dog. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. I'm I'm fine with
0: that. Yeah. Well, and I think that's something else that Uh, They did mention it, though. I I will tell you that there's two or three times inside of the series where they specifically mention that Terrigenesis affects everybody differently. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, if you rewind that script and you lay that over who is Lockjaw, well, we don't know that Lockjaw wasn't some...
2: Lockjaw was a person.
0: Right. Lockjaw was a person, but we don't have any idea who it was or what they look like. And that's something that I'm glad that they bothered to take the time to splash on us as an audience. And that one day you are a dude that looks like Nicholas J. Hearn. And after Pterogenesis, you may look like a young lady with butterfly wings and blue hair, because that's the way it is, and you shall now have fun with it.
2: But that being said, from what little we were shown of Adalan, there wasn't enough of the total body disfigurement transformations. I will buy that. there w- There wasn't buy- enough of that for me.
0: i, I I'm with you there. they got they gotta fill the stage with people. Rather than okay, we're gonna have eighty percent people, twelve percent CGI creature created stuff to look like something out of the Green Lantern movie, and then <laughs> our cast. Don't
2: mention that horrible film.
0: <laughs> How dare that, you! My, I, I totally get that, but that's why we didn't see it. Again, the that's, I, that's I know, a budget buddy in the ass. <laughs> I feel the same. I fell down or something and and had a seizure. I love that they bothered to give this kid the experience of nothing. Look, it's exactly the same thing as what's happening to this little blue girl who turned into this wonderful butterfly. Oh my gosh, she's a flyer. Flyers have the best experiences ever. Wow! And you flip the script over and on the other side is, I got a rock. Nothing. Nothing physically happened. Nothing physically changed. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy that they bothered to do that, rather than, oh, and look at him. He can turn his hands into dual scotch tape dispensers right. or whatever skill set he's going to have.
2: Well, during this, uh, this ceremony, we're, we're led to believe that the actual ceremony of going through Terogenesis is a very special thing. Completely different than the way that things were going on on Earth yes. during Agents of yes. S.H.I.E.L.D., like it places Love in afterlife. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a caste system, too. But, come on, it's a fiefdom. There is a king and a queen. Right. So you have a royal family, but this, so then you also have to have subjects. Mm-hmm. But besides the royal family, there's two types of subjects. You have the subjects that went through Terogenesis and be, came out changed, and the ones that went through Terogenesis and nothing happened. Or the ones who haven't changed yet, haven't had the opportunity to go through Terogenesis. And those people, those those fine folk, well, what do they get to do?
0: To the mines! <laughs> to I love To the this. mines. To the mines. I'm now going to use that inside of everything we do, two guys talking, where I'm just fed <laughs> up. I don't want to deal with it anymore. <laughs> to, to the, the mines! mines. To to, to <laughs> dig for moon rocks? Oh, man, it was awesome. I love that. It reminds me of something out of Bill and Ted's movie that hasn't yet been filmed. <laughs> Yo, Ted, what are we going to do? The fabulous babes don't yet love us in this timeline. And some old crazy codger dude walks in and goes, to the mines!
2: So Bill and Ted have been kidnapped by <laughs> the bad guys from Temple of Doom and have been shoved down there with all the Mol-ram. kids. Yeah, Molaram. Yeah. And they've been shoved down there with all the kids, and now they have to dig for the <laughs> stones.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that was fantastic. And, I, I again, I, I almost wrote the two pieces of that kid who gets to say, you know, not a damn thing happened to me. and I expected the crazy old cadre dude to just pop up out of nowhere and go, to the mange. Oh man, that was just awesome! And then that actually is said later on. I love yeah. that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Uh, again, my my kudos, and I love it when I can smile broadly, especially when things don't yet happen, but then they happen later on in the episode. I love that piece of this. Duodon needs more DVR space. All right, so Duodon is yet another character that we just briefly get uh, conveyed inside of this. I can With totally, a nice prosthetic. I yes, mean, he
2: did, that and, is good makeup effects yes, right there. Yes,
0: and what I can totally see is this working wonderfully inside of comic bookdom. Hmm. Look, it's the guy that makes comic book panels shoot out of his eyes. I totally get it. That totally makes sense. What I also loved about this was everybody is captivated. There's not one person that's not paying attention to what's being shown. That was awesome. What wasn't awesome is that duodon duodon needs have a little bit more DVR space so that he can get the whole friggin picture like, look, nobody. look, the guy that is amphibian fell into the ocean and swam away and he's not dead yet.
2: Just because there was a pool of there, a bunch of blood bubbling up from when he <laughs> dived in there. You don't see a body, so right. that's why I say right. Triton is not don't count Triton yeah. out just yet
0: I, And I'm with you I'm absolutely with you there. I totally agree with that. And I thought that this was a great portrayal of whoever Duodon is. Again, we'll link to him and the listings of all of the characters inside the Inhumans that are that appear inside the series mm-hmm. inside the show notes for this episode over at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV. <laughs> Seeing it with and without commercials. This is something you won't have the experience of because you are watching inside of your Hulu presentation, right?
2: Au contraire. Really? The first time I watched these two episodes... It was with commercials, yes. Okay. But before the review for today, I decided, you know, let's get a. I watched it almost a week ago, Uh uh, four or five days ago. Yeah. Let's give another refresher. And Hulu was nice enough to allow me to watch the first episode without any commercial interruption whatsoever. Oh, okay. So that was nice.
0: Good. So you got a flavor of what happened, and essentially, essentially, what I had inside the IMAX presentation with all of my comic book friends and my fourteen-year-old daughter, who was happy to go out with us and not be at home bored. Right. (laughs) What we essentially saw was an eight act movie. Mm -hmm. And I, I I didn't think anything of it. I'm not the guy that goes, okay, well the third act of this movie fell apart just like every third act falls apart inside of every other movie. I'm not that guy. And so the thinking of how this is going to be structured and how I detailed to the audience that only happened on the, on the way driving here today where I go, okay, so it's essentially an eight act film. Mm hmm where there are pieces that break eight times in between the start and the end of this showing inside of the IMAX theater. So it it works, it absolutely works. Does it provide you with something more than when it has commercials? I will actually tell you that I think it's better with the commercials, Mm. the way that it is structured. Having that tiny little bit of anticipation that you. the sample would be, if I didn't know what was gonna happen next, and having the intervention of a commercial, absolutely amps up your questioning your the anticipation of what's going to happen okay that I absolutely see that, yeah. amps that up rather than it just being dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the bridge of touch equaling speech this is excellent and I hope that they use this a lot throughout this eight episode series for Marvel and humans it's incredibly effective the glare and the absolute intensity that they have the on the actor that is Black Bolt, mm-hmm. I love it. I love, I love his facial expression. I love that all of his expressions are over the top. They should be. Yeah. He would love to be able to say something, but he can't. And as a consequence of that, everything that he's doing is amplified. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. That absolutely works. And what is going to work wonderfully, though they haven't used it like at the uh, police department, for example, when he goes, okay what's your name or where do you live or whatever he asks him. Well, he doesn't then just put his his three fingers on the guy's knee and he suddenly knows I live at 123 mm-hmm. Mockingbird Lane. Uh, on the moon? Y- yeah, no kidding. So that I get, but I hope that they're able to use that appropriately, especially when Medusa's not around to interpret so that it all equals out, it's a, it's a it's a very strange balancing act. Mm-hmm. Having an absolutely must be silent character, or you're going to end up murdering people. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't get any more dire than that. And I think between the first and the second episode, they they're able to grant all of that. You get it without question. Oh yeah. The rise of Maximus. For those of you that. Don't recognize Maximus, or don't watch Game of Thrones. Obviously, that is one of the incredibly assholeish characters inside of Game of Thrones. His name eludes me. The many names inside of Game of Thrones is why we've never chosen to do anything on Game of Thrones. He inside has such of the a complicated.
2: He has a complicated name. It's like Iwan Rowan, but Whatever. it's but it's spelled I W A N.
0: Right, and what what it essentially means, it is. Westeros for asshole. That, that's essentially what his name means. <laughs> anyway. Well, see, I
2: remember the... I've, I've saw the actor before he ever got on Game of Thrones. And I oh, don't even okay. watch Game of Thrones. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it all to be done. Hmm. Then I'll okay. watch
0: it. All right. Well, um, the, 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 the gist is that he plays a wonderfully asshole-ish character mm-hmm. inside of Game of Thrones. So that's what I hear. I, yeah. I absolutely give it to him. And that he was able to break off for this, I think is excellent. Absolutely... It lends credence to the the asshole-ish nature of this guy. Although, I've got to tell you, watching it a second time, I kind of understand the perspective of Maximus. Which is very interesting because comic book Maximus is known
2: as Maximus the Mad. He's Hmm. insane, he is the evil brother who is always trying to wrestle control of the inhuman royal
0: crown yeah.
2: from his brother. No,
0: oh, I don't get that at all from this exactly. One. And you this uh, this interpretation I, I think it works. I think is it brilliant. Works. Yeah. I, I think it works. It's one of the strongest characters inside the series, there's yeah. no question. I also love the duality of there's a reason that he would be pissed at Black Bolton. Hey, you disintegrated mom and dad. You're an asshole. Mm -hmm. So I I totally get that. The die was cast a long time ago when Black Bolt opened his mouth and made parents turn into ash. Okay, not so awesome. (laughs) 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 The shearing of a head as a kingdom is decapitated. Having seen this now twice, this is an incredibly gripping scene that has almost no sound. Uh, it has all kinds of layering in regard to imagery that once you go back and watch it twice. And I like it, especially while at the same time, actually a minute or so later, where the kingdom is decapitated, i.e, the king is no longer there, and a new king is crowned. I loved it. I, I, I thought it was I thought it was incredibly gripping. The emotion was exactly the right level. And again, having knowing nothing about Medusa, other than she's got wiggly hair that can grab people and do cool tricks in bed i know nothing about medusa at all except that she now doesn't have that hair on her head
2: right but but let's let's take that statement you know nothing about medusa right except for what you've been shown in the fir- this first half of this double episode mm-hmm. we got the one it, it, the one example that we talked about before in bed and we can cover everything <laughs> up and we can move things okay fine there's a second example. After Black Bolt decides to put himself in solitary so that he can think, mm-hmm. Maximus approaches and, and kind of hints at a shared past between the two of them, mm-hmm. and then kind of gets a little handsy. Maximus isn't all uh, honey pie and sweet stuff. He is creepy. He is a little oh, creepy yeah. at, at times. Yeah, And we get the example of her hair grabbing him, throwing him against a wall, and then slightly choking him for a few moments. Then three, just as they're attacking her, we see her standing perfectly still as her hair does all the work while they attack her one at a time. Here's my problem. In the comic books, Medusa, she is a queen. She's a fighter. She doesn't have to rely on Black Bolt to survive. Mm -hmm. I don't get that with this character here we also don't get the scope of her her powers so when she is i guess power paralyzed by mr glowy hands and then drops to the floor and then they shave her head the fact that they're shaving her head i have not been given as as a tv viewer i have not been given the reason to go wow this is horrible this is gut-wrenching it's just hair it'll grow back and then you'll be able to do your whoop-de-doos then we're not shown how important her hair is to her. That, that's, that's where this scene for me fails.
0: And that's where we ask you guys, what did you guys think of the shaving head scene? Let us know what you think by, again, going over to our Facebook presence. That's over at facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Chime in on any of the threads there or start up a new one yourself and tell us what you think about Medusa's shaved head. The brief and final look at Black Bolt's parents. Wow.
2: You know, um, and, nice scene. Short and sweet. Th-
0: this is where, and this has happened a lot inside of Marveldom overall, because they're able to take these tiny little snapshots that don't last more than a couple of seconds mm-hmm. to encapsulate incredibly impactful moments. That if you'll remember back in the original Batman, there was nothing wrong with the scene where we finally see his parents murdered. Mm -hmm. I I think they're all incredibly gripping. But damn, they're long. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Right. And what we're able to glean here is that, look, kid opens his mouth and says the word why, and parents fly apart like paper out of a Sarah Connor nightmare. Yeah. Dude. Dude. I think that's one of the – I understand why it was one of the last things you see – Inside of this episode Because I don't know that it could get more impactful than that That is the reason why there is a divide Other Mm. than Brothers will be brothers And it's incredibly impactful A king arrives In Honolulu I'm glad that they chose Hawaii again To have uh, an excellent presentation it's obviously on Honolulu they've at least taken actors that are also either from there or cast as actors that are supposed to be from Hawaii right. to play inside of the whole thing and I love when they do when they do that because it adds this, this sense of something I see a lot inside of say a Spielberg film which is the submersion therapy of what's being captured on film mm. all of that could have been filmed somewhere inside of downtown LA and we'll never know As long as you've got the marked up police cars, you got some guys that look Simone when they pop out of the cars and you got someone that's at least walking down the street and they're carrying a surfboard. You'd never know that it's not there. Right. But that it is there and that it has all of those things and that you can obviously, unless it was some major green screen work where Gorgon's busy chilling with his surfing homies inside of a green screen capture studio. Well, they were there. And they captured it there. And I love that that being able to be there to capture because you can. Yeah, I, I do love that. I love it when they do that. And it's why I'm enamored with stuff like this. Where stuff like the first three films of Star Wars, it will never get me. It will always be look at the green screen stuff.
2: Mm. I appreciate this simply because it's a different location than what we've been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes,
0: you know? I agree with that.
2: The Netflix stuff... Primarily New York City. Mm -hmm. A lot of the Avengers stuff. New York City. Mm -hmm. It's where we're we're at least stopping off in New York for a while. Uh, We've done a lot of L.A. and San Francisco and San Diego. We've done a lot of West Coast stuff Mm -hmm. with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and with the Iron Man films and things like that. We get the desert with the first Thor movie. We get... England with the second Thor movie, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're spreading it out. Mm-hmm. And I like that we didn't go back to California mm-hmm. again. Yeah, It's as bright and sunny as California, but uh, I, I am glad that we are at least trying to uh, make the locations that we visit in these shows and movies a little bit more diversified.
0: Ah, too true nick and so we've plowed through the review of episode one chugga 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 chugging through the very first episode of two inside this monster launch review for marvel and humans on abc slash hulu we will be right back thought
1: about a career in voiceover
0: 24 Legacy features a new hero, a new day, a completely new cast, but also tons of new 24 fans. It's time to participate with all of them over at 24LegacyFans.com. That's 24LegacyFans.com.
2: What comes to mind when you hear the word horror? Is it a book you read in the dead of night that creeped you out? Is it the memories of the monsters you were sure lived under your bed? Is it a film filled with blood and gore all thanks to a crazed killer? Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we ask the really terrifying question, What scares you? Only on Two Guys Talking Horror. TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com that's
0: twoguystalkinghorror.com. There's a new president in town. While we don't have any presidential bio history on this one, there's all kinds of education, information, and detail available about every president over at presidentialbio.com with host Bill Tracy. presidentialbio.com. That's presidentialbio.com. The Presidential Bio.
3: Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability Weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors
0: everyone welcome back to the agents of shield podcast a very special review session this time focusing on marvel in humans on abc slash hulu the first two episodes episode one and episode two before we went to break, we finished out our review of episode 1. It's time to start our review of episode 2, Those Who Would Destroy Us. How will a silent character be treated? As we snap back into this episode, we're right back where we left off, which by the way, inside the IMAX presentation was perfect. Mm-hmm. It needed to it needed to do that. Right. Several right. times inside of the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff that we review on ABC, We always talk about how it's kind of appreciated where it doesn't instantly snap back in. And that it is nice that it will kind of take you into a different direction or a different drag rather than instantly snapping back into where you just left off. Mm -hmm. In this case, it absolutely paid off that they are right back where they were.
2: Well, this was a perfect example of how when they started this series, they knew that these first two episodes were going to be the companions. first things that they showed. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. was going to be on yeah. theater screens. This was going to be on TV as a two-parter.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm really glad that they did that. Oh, what, yeah. we're, what we're focusing on here is the silent nature of Black Bolt, which is a very, very interesting, incredibly dynamic three-point shot at the buzzer <laughs> from Marvel and ABC. I, I can't tell you how... Incredibly big that is. Because not only is he conveying himself inside of some sort of not real sign language, not only is his interpreter Medusa nowhere near him, mm. but there has to be something where it doesn't look stupid. And we, we we just wafted towards it inside the beginning episode of how stupid and how fast a silent character could get. Right. None of that happens here. There's never a time where I think, oh, boy, that looks stupid. Or how fast I can watch it descend into, wow, this is really going to get stupid in a minute. Mm-hmm. There is none of that. Uh, the other thing you you don't, you don't notice is, and again, having a deaf wife and being around enough deaf people, if someone doesn't instantly speak, it doesn't instantly mean that they're from an, another country, which is what they do think inside of this episode. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's acknowledging someone, someone in the... Um, The the tailor shop asks him a question, and I think he shakes his head or nods his head and yes. And and so they at least have that so that they can understand that he's hearing them. You'll note that nobody thinks that he is deaf. I thought that that might be a—and maybe it'll still happen, too, but it'll be a nice breaking, adding in of levity where there maybe just needed to be some because it's so intense. Right. And it doesn't get more intense than, hey, look, assault on a police officer, which is exactly what happens here. The other things that happen inside of this, this piece of the episode, I think, are incredibly well done. There's a, there's a piece where the, uh, the police officers, I think, are way on the end of being super lenient on someone that is not responding to commands and then starts assaulting them. I was amazed at how, how slow it gets to the taser moment. Mm. Then we get to the taser moment where Black Bolt has his burping session. And that was spectacular because it really does show the consequence of what we're talking about here. Uh, an accidental sneeze without opening his mouth would wreck all of those cops right. instantly. And I, I love that we already know that, mostly because we've just been reminded about how dangerous he is inside of the end of the last episode. Right, uh-huh. So, again, my total kudos to everything that happens at the beginning of this episode for Black Bolt as a character, but as Black Bolt in the series as a character, because this could have gone really, really bad, really, really fast.
2: He knew what he was doing. He knew that yeah, yeah. to hurt these people is just going to make things exactly harder on on yeah. on his end. Mm-hmm. But he is a king, and he doesn't he doesn't want to be taken away. He's got to find you know he's got to find his family. Mm-hmm. For the officers to be. So lenient leading up to the tasering of Black Bolt, them going easy on him, he was going on easy on them as well. The one thing that I did find a little strange is that after uh, the his his uh, and it destroyed one of their police cars, after they have him apprehended, one of the officers even does call him a freak. So we know that he's special. This officer and everybody and everybody there knows that he's different. Mm-hmm so why aren't we getting shield on the phone hmm? or at least some government They're official. On that, us, that's why. Or, or why haven't we seen uh <laughs> why, why haven't we seen a uh a watchdog again this is me going hmm this is the marvel universe this is the marvel cinematic universe yet it seems like every tv show tries to be its own little pocket universe even when they are all connected even when they do talk about other things that have happened in the Marvel Universe.
0: That's very interesting and again it makes me just want to try and get somebody that's on the development side Mm. in to talk to us even if it was just via some text or something that can be taken as a just a guideline of why things happen and for what reasons but anyway I I, I was incredibly and ecstatically satisfied with how they treated and are showcasing a silent character instead of a modern day television show. (laughs) So we've got instantaneous from the moon communication, but no GPS tracking or sharing. This kind of bugged me because right now you and I have generational phones such that we have phones that if that's all we had, we'd have been able to take care of most modern day problems and send all of the Apollo teams to the moon Hmm. with the devices we have in our hands. And the devices that are showcased here don't grant the ability for Medusa and Black Bolt and whomever else to determine where somebody else are. That that was a rub for me just because it's it's a comfortable story rub. and It's that lazy piece of storytelling where it works for the bad guys, but it can't somehow work for the good guys. But
2: that's the problem. It should work for the good guys. Right. Because, and we're going to talk about this later in the episode when we do our talking tech segment, but... The slap wrist communicators <laughs> can do some amazing things. Yet here we are, seeing them while while the royal family is on Earth. They're not really doing any of those amazing things.
0: Yeah. What I what I don't want to have happen inside of shows, especially like this one, inside of either Mar- Marvel's Agents of Shield or a show like this one, is where everybody on planet Earth and some in the moon, and in the mines. In the mines. They have what amounts to a, let's use mine for example, the Samsung Galaxy 8 Note. Mm. And when we look over at the king and queen, they're walking around with the phone that's got nine gotta, buttons on it. I Hold got on. a Nokia flip phone. Yeah, it's a flip phone with the <laughs> nine buttons on it, like they have for, for senior citizens that only want the buttons on it. Yeah. And it does nothing else except it allows you to dial calls. No, I, I don't want to do that. Either take the take the, the devices from them or have have a, a five second notation where where brother asshole leans over to dude and says, jam the communications. Right. And we're done. It doesn't it doesn't take any time at all. It gets done quickly. And now there's reason why Medusa, who is what, miles away from Blackbolt? Mm-hmm can now not interact with him instantaneously when they were able to be communicating to anybody from the moon. That's one of the the big rubs I have inside of Story. It's talk.
2: a rub simply because it w- doesn't make sense to have them all reunite mm-hmm. before the end of the second episode. Correct, correct. And that's the only reason.
0: Well, and it also gives the bad guys an up. That, that's the other reason that I hate things like that are done. The playing field is even, unless, of course, the brother leans over or or the, the maniacal henchress yeah. leans over and says, Jam the communications! Okay, well, now it's done. Don't have to worry about it. The Scott Buck discussion. Those of you that don't know Scott Buck, we're going to link to his writers and directorial debuts and processes inside the show notes for this episode over at agentsofshield.tv. I want you to go and look at his jacket of programming because you will find a series of places that he appears and in one I want you to absolutely focus on, Dexter on Showtime. Mm -hmm. And I will not take everything away from Scott Buck for what I believe was the deterioration of one of the greatest shows of all time. So much so that we did a podcast for a variety of seasons of Dexter that you can find now by going over to twoguystalking.com forward slash Dexter. And what you'll essentially find there are our reviews of a show that was great in season five and then deteriorated into laughable lumberjackery as you got to the end of the series. (laughs) That's the only thing I'm going to say about that without saying that that's a cautionary note. But... How you take a property like what was Dexter, and turn it into what became of Dexter, is stark and it will make you wake up at night.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sadly, and I don't want to see that happen here. It's one of those. It's one of those examples of a show sticking around too long. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes yeah. you just need to end end when you're on top.
0: Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen that because uh, again, we stuck with Dexter until the bitter end. Mm-hmm. To You know, pay the show some homage because it 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 is a captivating show. Those first four seasons of Dexter are yep just bonkers, awesome.
2: I absolutely agree.
0: Um, The 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 fifth one gives you some meat on the bone, and then it just descends into something I just I don't understand why it went the way it did. (laughs) Anyway, Scott Buck has a wonderful jacket of properties that he's worked on, including a variety that we've done two guys talking content on. I want you to go and look at it, and then I want you to tell me what you guys think of the Scott Buck discussion slash equation inside of what's going to happen inside of Marvel in humans. Let us know what you think by going to our website. Again, that's over at agents TV. Click on that green tab on the right hand side and drop Nick and I a voicemail to tell us what you think about it right now. The grandiosity of a different throne. I know it's completely lost on Nick, although you've seen pictures of it. I know uh, what the you know what the, the, the throne, throne Game of, of Thrones,
2: is. Of, of the metal throne, the swords and stuff, and yeah, <laughs> right, that right. thing. Anyway, it looks terribly uncomfortable.
0: It, it it does. I would not choose to put a piece of metal up my ass, but different. I, as a
2: king, my, me, I like you know plush leather and something nice and cushy
0: corinthian leather yes corinthian <laughs> suede suede there you go anyway what we get here is one of the best sets that there is this throne room set is something i wouldn't mind at all having inside of my theater at home the giant w that showcased there behind brother uh, maximus is mm. is phenomenal the room is phenomenal the statues are phenomenal the lighting is phenomenal the people that appear in it are gorgeous and uh, phenomenal Uh, just total kudos to the people that created that throne room which i know was a, a wonderful expenditure of budget and it totally paid off a hooven dude that strides into a riptide man dude we gotta get a boogie board or a life jacket or something for Gorgon here, because yeah. Gorgon's king of the thundered nut. <laughs> He's not going to get out there and swim at all with hooves, man. <laughs> I, I could not actually believe what I was seeing until... <laughs> chill Hawaiians that don't blink at moon life. This was fun. This was fun to step outside the cone of, wow, let's look at people beat on each other because they're different. And these... these Dudes, not only do they save the dude's life, they saunter up, they save the dude's life, they offer him a beer and just chill. Man, that's fun. That's and, fun.
2: Well, you know, and I, I guess I guess I want we want to. I think we're trying to convey the fact that in this world, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, enough weird shit has happened to where some chilled dudes like the Hawaiian surfers just kind of wow, the moon, cool.
0: Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that, and it it really does give some perspective, and without diving into anything political, because we don't do right. that here, I, I love that there can be that perspective, and it makes some sense. It, 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 you don't have to lean in either direction to try and figure out what's going on here. It's just the, oh, yeah, the moon. Cool. Well, come on. And you've, I did you've
2: that. Read, you've read Marvel mm-hmm. comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, the New Yorkers in the Marvel comic books don't bat an eye when a superhero pops up because, eh, it's New York.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, that's what this. That's what the Marvel Cinematic Universe world needs to start resembling. There needs to be more people that aren't as shocked and appalled at the weird things that they see because yeah. Well, yeah. there was an alien invasion not too long ago.
0: Yeah. People. Yeah. I, I love that they bother to take that perspective, and it's one that needs to be shared way more often, and not just on TV now the tracking on earth via comlink works fine Woot! and of course it works because it's for the bad guys
2: the bad guy can track
0: that that, that is again one of my pet peeves especially inside of writing because it is a writing trope this is where okay the bad guys have got to find out where the good guys are what's a great way to do it what if they accidentally leave a comlink on the floor after being blasted with a tv tray
2: this should have been a different device there should have been the bad guy should have had a second device yeah if we're going to have the slap wrist communicators let's just have them be communicators but then we also see that they can be straightened out and oh look pulled apart to actually show a larger screen that you can track another tracking you can track another device with
0: yeah let me give you a sample this is the other side of the same exact cone of perspective how do you make sure it doesn't get stupid where you could just go, well, why doesn't Lockjaw just appear and bamp them away somewhere else? Well the answer is because he's unconscious.
2: Yes, they've okay, taken they've taken good. out their teleporter. That's
0: excellent writing. Yes, that's that awesome. works. The other side of the continuum is this. And that's what I want to not see any more of inside of a series, especially like this one inside of the cone of a television program that's already proven it's worth in being able to write circles around stupid things to make sure it gets avoided. Yeah. I I, I really do want to see that. You should leave. How about you leave, horseman? This is where Gorgon looks at the Hawaiian dudes and says, you all should leave. You know, it's a big beach, asshole. Why don't you leave? (laughs) I, I... I, Gorgon's I under-
2: evidently expecting a large military force party, to pop right. down and, yeah. and and come and get him. I, and I I like the fact that he is mindful of the civilian casualties yeah. that could appear.
0: I, I, I am too. I am too. But I just, I again,
2: think it would- it's it's their beach it's their world why don't you leave horseman Right. Well, exactly that
0: or, that or why doesn't he gallop 4 or 5 miles away because he can run faster
2: or you know use that flippy do thing that you got on your wrist to go and track down <laughs> triton and it, maximus and anybody else that still has their zone oh it, wait a minute
0: it doesn't we, work
2: we, we we can't you're a good guy so it doesn't work that way
0: <laughs> his device wasn't waterproof like my oh, phone oh yep
2: yep see there you go We're, another thing my the phone pressure can do on to the, to the his moon hand. doesn't it doesn't matter <laughs> But once you get the damn thing wet, it's you oh, got to buy a brand new it's one. It's the
0: seawater, man. It's the seawater. Oh, it's water. the salt in the seawater. Karnak not realizing he's not Survivor Man. <laughs> this was awesome. The guy that is the mind boggling, I am awesomer statistician guy walks in a freaking circle. <laughs> that was brilliant. It was boring. But it was brilliant. And I I, I appreciated that not only he's fall on his ass, so that statistician statistician doesn't mean that he is a billy goat guy, but he literally walks in a circle. I love that. Here's why
2: I have a problem with the scene. Well, first of all, they haven't really done a very good job no. with explaining what Karnak's abilities actually are. <laughs> in the comic book in the comic book, Karnak is actually a force to be reckoned with because he can find the weakness. In anything, yeah. any person, mm-hmm. any structure, any plan, anything. So you don't want him a ar- you don't want him coming after you. Mm-hmm. Now in this show they portray it just a little bit differently. So we can look at a hot girl and discern that it's only going to take two and a half days before he gets bored with her. Okay, he can be allowed to have a choice, start a fight, die. But because he was given a choice, start at the beginning of the fight, and then the outcome goes his favor. Technically, that just seems a little weird. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because then why, when he started climbing down, did he not give the ability to, oh, he fell. Well, let me try that again. And put my foot in the right yeah. place.
0: If I step on a rock with slime on it, I'm going to fall on my head. Right. <laughs> I, don't, so, I don't understand how he didn't so get that. So
2: I better get a second chance. But he doesn't get a second chance. So instead, he hits his head. Mm-hmm. He wakes up. You see that his powers start working because they do that nice little visual thing that they have. And he starts walking, but it's a circle. So now we're like, oh, he hit his head. He's got a con- an inhuman concussion which has now made his powers not work. So let's see. Medusa doesn't have any abilities. Black Bolt can't say anything or he's going to disintegrate people. Karnak can't discern the weaknesses of anything, so what good is he? And you're on an island, so as long as we keep Gorgon in the center of the island, he's fine. Just don't take him for a swim. (laughs) To me, this was like, how can we possibly make all of these characters that we've now stranded on Earth as vulnerable as possible and it was a little bit painfully too obvious that that's what they were doing
0: yeah the 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 want to neuter the superpowers of everybody i I didn't get that until you just mentioned it that is exactly where they were going they were trying to make them as vulnerable as possible i i I now get that (laughs) talking tech Ah, the talking tech segment where Nick and I detail a piece or pieces of tech that are showcased inside of an episode of something that is Marvel Universe based. This time, it's the Flipper Nut Hooker Wristband Slapper Rooney device.com.com, wow. uh,
2: dot dot com, Yeah.
0: Like that? All right. So inside of this, we have. I, I don't have any problem with them. They slap them on, they work. They fold them out. They become what is essentially a platform, probably about as big as your phone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't have any problem with that. The only problem I have is that they work perfectly for the bad guys, and they can't possibly work correctly for the good guys. All of which would have been fixed by one of any one of a number of people leaning over to henchman seven and saying, "Make sure the devices are jammed." Yeah. Execute order sixty-seven.
2: It could be. That's how it, easy it that could have been. It should have been that simple. But, uh, uh, again, it, it gets lost a little bit. gets a little jumbled. And we don't take care of that problem until after the bad guy shows that, oh, you can do this too with these. Why aren't I good guys doing this?
0: Yes. Hey, somebody, the tell, king and the queen somebody tell the
2: good guys that they can do that too.
0: Yeah. And I know what we're going to get. What we're going to get is a, a volume of email that says, you know, If you actually worked at a company where there's a president and a vice president, they don't know everything. They've got people on their staffs to tell them what they need to be doing. They don't listen to them anyway. I know because I am one. So you just don't understand what's going on. Well, we're not talking okay. about
2: presidents and vice presidents. Right. We're talking, talking about, about a king and queen. King and
0: queen of the moon
2: of, of an moon alien base. of a slightly <laughs> alien race on a mo- on a base on the moon that is that is protected by a, right. a, a an invisible shield. Right.
0: You, you see what was happening? Half of Medusa's hair was taking care of Black Bolt and fruity parts. The other half was on udemy.com learning how to use the Comlink system. Wow. So there's no way that she didn't know what was going on. I don't want to hear it.
2: That's actually that's actually a sad state of affairs <laughs> when we're, we're talking about, we're, we have a talking <laughs> tech segment, and it's this facility <laughs> hidden on the moon, and we're talking about their communication devices that only half works and only fully works for bad guys. There should have been something <laughs> better we should have been talking about in this segment, but there
0: isn't. <laughs> I got nothing. I know. I got nothing. (laughs) Anyway, that was my my Gorgon-esque talking tech segment for this episode. Keep on swimming. We we are wondering how you are kicking your legs when it comes to talking tech. Let us know what you think by going again over to our Facebook presence. That's facebook.com forward slash shield podcast. Click anywhere inside of one of the threads that's already there or start your own and tell us what was your favorite piece of flipper nut hooker wristband slappity do device-ness inside this episode. The guy that feels the same is a prognosticator by touch. This is very interesting in that it's almost a super wonder twin powers thing.
3: Hmm.
0: I either is no superpower when just I feel the same. I must have had a seizure and fallen down guy get to the mines worker Nothing happens if he's just standing there working in the mines. But you take the advent of Jaina, i.e. Maximus, and they touch, and now you have superpowerthness, hmm. i.e. reading the future slash prognostication of what's to come. So I, I enjoyed that. I also enjoyed that the snakes are surrounding you. And that there's some dis- discernation that needs to happen. They're always
2: very vague. The, the prophecies, I guess you could call them, are always very vague. Yeah. I found the, the inclusion of this character interesting because, like I told you at the beginning of this review, Marvel's really been pushing the Inhumans over the last decade. Yeah. Uh, about, I want to say a year or two ago, there was a storyline that they were doing in the comic books called mm-hmm. Civil War II, the sequel. Interesting. And it was all about a new inhuman who had the ability to see the future.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, thought that the inhuman should be used to prevent disasters and crimes and things like that. While Tony Stark felt that you shouldn't play with probabilities because how do we know this kid really is seeing the future or a future? And mm. then that split the mm. hero community down the middle, and you know fisticuffs ensue. In, in mm-hmm. But it's interesting that they actually have a precog be a character for this show. I, I, I'm interested to see where this goes.
0: I am too. I, I, I love it. I also love this the dual the dual factor security that I have on a variety of different accounts that I have. This is exactly what this is. I e you have one piece of both of the pieces you have nothing but when the two pieces are put together you have a solid picture a tool you can use mm-hmm. so i enjoy that a lot i think that that's going to be a great piece of something that can be used in the future for sure aloha bus driver
2: aloha means hello and goodbye
0: <laughs> in particular for the bus driver poor that, that's bus some, driver that's some raucous stuff man he's just cleaning his shit man and like grape <laughs> not fun Not fun at all, and I I, I appreciate that they'll take and deliver ruthlessness like that, because it's not something I would expect to see inside of a show that's running inside of a primetime, reasonably based, quote, goofy comic book show. Mm. So I was glad to see that.
2: But remember, it has been moved to a a later Mm -hmm. time, so we can get a little bit more,
0: I adult- Yeah, and what's coming up, eventually comes up here, is the stabby stabness, that's pretty raw. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about it, she's being stabbed in the the abdomen, not fun, don't want to get stabbed there. Whoops, I got stabbed there and I'm dead. Okay, well, there it is. Right. Being out of the cuffs and how literal comedy can work. This is another brilliant sample of something we talked about in the beginning stretch of the review of this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. And I thought it was wonderful, where one of the cops essentially goes, if we can just get this all done, we'll be out of here." And so he takes off the cuffs.
2: I think it was something like it was like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna process you. We're gonna take your picture. We're gonna put you in lockup." Black Bolt just kind of. Takes off the cuffs, like okay, let's 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 get and this hands going. Hands them over, let's, yeah. Let's let's get it going. Uh,
0: it, it was it was wonderful, and it, again, and is the in a cop a, and the one, co- the, all the other cops are
2: pulling their guns again, but the one sitting down is like, oh, calm down. He's cooperating. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I I really appreciated how they pulled this off, mm. and it is a it is a deft hand that wrote this and many other little segments, in particular the segments where there's somebody that's not saying a damn word. I don't know how to be more pointed on how incredibly powerful it is. Mm. Imagine all the people that say a diatribe of things inside of a number of different television series, when in reality they get to the end of what they're saying and they haven't said shit. Right. Where in this case, this dude isn't saying anything. Uh, it's one of the, It's one of the most endearing pieces of acting that I grant to people, and it is the people that can say so much while saying absolutely nothing or very little and this actor is absolutely pulling it off with the writing ability that's put inside the character right so kudos to the writers as well as the actor inside of this because it's it's done wonderfully and it's written absolutely perfectly a morpheus light speech sends us into episode three this was a piece of a speech where maximus delivers a little bit of the foundational blocks of what needs to be his future kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the neat part is that he grabs everybody's fundamental emotions and uses that as a parapet to stand on and, ev- and point at himself, hoping that everybody sees that he is the guy to pick and nobody else. It's, it's master class in manipulating an audience.
2: And he's positioned himself perfectly because he is just like them. He's not an inhuman. Genetically, technically, he's
0: human. Right. Well, and see, I, I think what's happening here, and I, again, I know nothing about the characters. I don't read spoilers, nothing. But I think he is a human, yes. But I think he is an epoxy human. So that you add in something, or him who has been exposed to pterogenesis, you grab another person that has also been exposed to pterogenesis, and hence you get the epoxy person. Mm. So that something does happen, but the two of them have to interact. I know nothing of anything inside of Marvel lore if there's anything like that. I don't know if that's something special that they've written in. But if it does work that way, I love me that. Because what that means is all the people that haven't yet interacted or turned into their own terrigenesis experiment, well, what happens when he touches them? It'll be an interesting that's, thing to go that's forward. A, that's a very interesting little piece that is, again... Another piece of the chemistry set that I love, not only about this program, but about what they're developing with Marvel and humans. Auron just wakes up, heals, and no one's been around? Well, I know
2: you mentioned it briefly, the the confrontation between mm-hmm. Medusa and this character. Mm-hmm. Auron, was that her name?
0: Auron? A-U-R-A-N is how it was spelled in captioning.
2: And it was very. that was a very visceral moment. That was the first time where I actually gave a damn about Medusa. Yes, it's true.
0: I agree. I totally agree.
2: But up until this point, okay, so we come back from our very last commercial, and there she is. She's still wrapped up in the tarp. So evidently that person didn't need his truck all day, but he just. she just... Pushes the chart back, takes the knife out, heals, and she's fine. Therein lies the problem with uh, a show that deals with people that have these abilities, but you don't know how these abilities work. So, does she? Is her superpower the ability to die and then come back? You know, if it's a healing factor thing. Well, I mean, if if it's a healing factor, we we've we've been given that. We know Wolverine. We know his capabilities. We know Deadpool. Deadpool. We know his capabilities. So where in the spectrum is this chick? I guess. I guess we have to wait until episode three.
0: I don't know. I and that's not even really what I was focusing on here. What I'm focusing on is this tourist space that these people are in. Nobody's come by and sees a, a pair of legs hanging off of a rolled up tarp on top of a car. She's tired. Or Let the, her sleep. Or, or the or the dead guy inside the bus. So,
2: well, evidently his tours were done for the day.
0: I guess. I guess <laughs> he's just taking a nappy nap, and she's got a stabby stab, and let's roll her up like a taco. I don't know. I, that was the only one thing that I think really rubbed me inside this episode. That I just, I realized it was tacked on at the end to give us that the launch into. Another dun dun episode, dun!
2: Yeah. Come back for episode three. Yeah, uh,
0: but it 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 did not fit, so I can't acquit.
2: We've seen that done better on better shows like Agents, Agents of, of Shield.
0: Shield. <laughs> Ah, the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. The S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers are where Nick and I look at either an actress portrayal, a piece of storytelling, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic inside these episodes. Nick, what have you got?
2: This doesn't happen very often, but... uh, (laughs) My ledger has read in it, this, uh, this review. Mm. Yeah. There was not one specific moment during this two-parter that just blew me away. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was never blown away. And this is one of the reasons why, towards the beginning of this review, I said, I'm glad I didn't spend money to go and see this in the theater because there was nothing wow-worthy about it. This wasn't like seeing Guardians of the Galaxy or an Avengers movie. I agree. It was a TV show with very lackluster action in it. Some important things happened, but nothing action worthy for me to sit in front of a giant movie screen happened for me. Mm -hmm. So sadly, my my dossier this week has gotta be marks against this two-parter, and why I'm glad I didn't see it and waste the money in, in an IMAX experience. One thing that I know we wanted to get through this review, but there was something that really bothered me in the first episode. It was when Maximus was making his move. He was making the play, getting rid of the trying to get rid of the the royal family. And as he's walking into the throne room and looking at the throne, they're playing a version of a very psychedelic version, but a version of Break on Through to the other side by the doors.
0: Yeah, there's two or three songs like that. And then these. after
2: that, when they're going up against Medusa before they shave her head, they're playing this very somber version of Painted Black by Mm -hmm. the Stones. Mm -hmm. This took me completely out of this show because this is an alien-esque race, sequestered on the moon, who have not shown any kind of interest in Earth culture whatsoever. I, I don't see televisions, I don't see gaming systems, I would have been okay had it been instrumentals. Oh, I recognize that song without lyrics because then you're still making it sound alien at the same time as familiar to your audience. But no, this is this is just a TV show using a cover of a cool sounding a, a couple of a lyrics from a cool sounding song. So, sadly, that just took me right out of the experience. Mm. I, I no longer felt like I was watching the king and queen of an alien race being deposed by their maniacal brother so sadly adding adding the i guess the earth aspect of earth music to this section uh, ruined it a little bit for me the whole cutting of medusa's hair and giving karnak a concussion it kind of seems like we're neutering these characters so we don't have to worry about special effects For a show that's called The Inhumans and everybody has an ability, it seems like we're doing the the showrunners are doing their best to take away everybody's abilities so that they're not inhuman, they're just human. And maybe that maybe that will pay off down the line. Again, this is just the first two episodes out of eight. So I I will wait. Before I complain about that more, but it does kind of seem like, hey, we got all these powers. How do we get rid of them? Ah, let's shave her head. And the other the other problem, uh the other one problem that I had was even though Adelan looked great up there on the moon, I still didn't feel like this was an alien civilization. And when I say alien, I don't mean, you know, like the uh the Cree in Guardians of the Galaxy, or any of the other great alien races we've seen from the space aspect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm talking about this is a society that left Earth supposedly generations ago and have been on the moon ever since. They've been keeping a watchful eye on Earth, but they are they have nothing to do with I don't see anybody watching Earth movies, Earth television. Nobody's wearing any Earth-style looking clothing. Uh, it didn't feel like an alien kingdom to me. The the wonderment that should have been this should have been the TV equivalent of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm sorry. That's what it this should have been. Or at least part of it. The part on the moon should have been the equivalent of Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's what we get when we're on a regular network station. You have a limited amount of budget to be able to do these things. And in humans, ah, I really hope in humans don't suffer. Because they're on ABC and not Netflix or streaming on Amazon or Hulu or something like that, to where they or a feature film, or even a feature film. Sadly, originally that's what they were supposed to have. They were supposed to have a feature film, and that went to the wayside once they started using Inhumans in Agents of Shield. So, my Shield dossier. Yeah, it's a lot of bitching and moaning, but. I'm I'm hoping that this is the last bit of bitching and moaning that I do during the review of this show.
0: I think my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier inside of this has got to be the treatment of a silent character. We've reviewed a variety of things over the years, whether it be feature film or television-based, that have had some sort of sticky wicket that just cannot possibly be avoided. It's something you can see coming at you at about 100 miles an hour— You can see it four or five miles off, especially on multiple viewings, and it usually plows into the front end of the vehicle, and suddenly you're stuck inside of the crash dummy video, where not only is it horrific, not only is it devastating, it happens in slow motion. And that's what I don't want to have happen with anything that is, in particular, Black Bolt. Right. Because being able to pull off a silent character like this, there's only there's only one other character inside of comic bookdom that I'm aware of that is actually a character that does use sign language. The character uses sign language, and then the bracelet slash technology that they have on actually emit the words so that when they speak. They're speaking with sign language, but the technology emits what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So they don't actually speak. I I don't know who that character is, but it's something that Kip and I have talked about several times. And I don't even remember where that's from.
2: It sounds familiar, but I'm drawing a blank myself.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll have to ask him about it. we'll link it in the the show notes inside this, this episode. But I want them to be able to pull off something like that because there's all kinds of excellent storytelling potential. And in particular for an actor that, you know, the dude is slated to say probably five words, none of which anything good is going to no. happen when he says yeah. them. And so it really needs to be good. And I thought that they handled it with a deft hand inside this episode. That, that, so that's my, my SHIELD dossier. And that's where we want to know what you have inside your SHIELD dossier for this episode. Let us know by going over to TV, click anywhere on the right-hand side, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Nick, it all comes down to this inside this whopper of a dual episode review for the launch of Marvel in Humans on ABC/Hulu streaming services. The rating system works thusly: 10 super awesome, handled with a deft hand, the characters, the story, and everything else was spectacular. A 1
1: to the, to the mines!
0: Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halfsies. Nick, what do you got? Uh,
2: there's really not much more for me to say. I, I, I did vent a lot during my mm-hmm. dossier, and I, I think it was deserved. Uh, but again, I want to stress that even though I, I find the IMAX experience for this ridiculous, because again nothing spectacular happened in these two episodes. But that being said, I enjoyed myself watching these two episodes back to back in the comfort of my own home. Mm-hmm. I did not hate these episodes. We have gone through the missteps in in the writing and the production of these two episodes, mm-hmm. but uh, again, it's, it's network television and you've got a budget. So I can understand, I want, I want this show to be great. Just like every Marvel property, I want all Marvel properties to be great. Unfortunately, I know sometimes there's always a slip-up. Agent Carter season two. Since we're viewing these as one giant episode, this uh, first outing with the Inhumans, it's just a seven for me. It's, It's just average.
0: That's an interesting call for this, and I I, I kinda look at this as being an excellent concept. It's a puzzle piece that absolutely has the, it has the outline for each of the pieces that it wants to deliver inside of this. Uh, A lot of the pieces I think are fleshed out well. Mm. I think many of them, the outside veneer of the piece is incredibly well done. I think the look of everything that they've got is at least a drift from what happens inside of the comic book frame into real life. I think that all pulls off wonderfully. I think the bits of powers that are showcased, I think that those are okay. They, they do enough inside of this, this first piece. I love the presentation inside of an alien environment for all of us, mm-hmm. i.e. one, the moon, i.e. two, Hawaii. While mm-hmm. we've seen Hawaii inside of a variety of television shows, Lost... Hawaii Five-0, number of other television programs that actually pull off that as an event. Dog
2: the Bounty Hunter. Yeah,
0: all of it. The bottom line is that they're giving us something that we don't usually see that is wrapped in Marvel comic bookdom, so kudos for that. Where I definitely take some umbrage on inside of these two episodes, and it is both of them, having now seen them both two times, Mm -hmm. is the pace. There are all kinds of missteps on pace inside of this. There's only a couple that I really didn't jump into because I don't care. There were several pieces that almost turned into soap opera for me. Most of the ones I'm referring to are when we evoke Crystal inside of the program. Mm. I just don't care. I think that the actor portrayal, just above par. Um, I think that's
2: actually kind of a trick because she is playing the the princess character. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping that she'll actually step up as a character later on down the line. Now, of course, if she doesn't, then it's a complete and total waste. Yeah. But as of right now, in these first two episodes, she's kind of the vapid, oh, whoa, good, Crystal's here. Yeah, she'll save us.
0: Her her, her hair interests me. And that's from the comic book. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you know, gorgeous body, gorgeous hair. Awesome, perfect job. She's Lockjaw's interpreter. There you go. Yeah, and other than that, she She's a loss on the screen for me. Uh, the other thing in regard to pacing is that the the beats that they were able to succeed with on almost every single case with Black Bolt are missed in a lot of cases for the other characters. Yes, Medusa's in particular, uh, we referenced that fight and how visceral it was. I thought it was crap. that that fight between her and Aaron. I thought that was crap.
2: Well, I mean, the fight was only. Less than two minutes long because, you know, she grabs the knife and she starts stabby-stabby. Yeah.
0: yeah. For all of the awesome you and I saw inside of the fight between uh, Good May and Bad May and a variety of other people inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in oh, the last two years, yes. crap. Yeah. The fight was crap. The outcome of that turned into crap as well. I didn't care for that. Uh, having Gorgon not do anything for us... I really wanted to see something different from he him. He stomped
2: and, once and almost drowned. Yay, yeah, and, this, is, this is our character, folks.
0: And, and I didn't get at that. I also <laughs> thought that there were some pacing problems inside of his character presentation. Mm-hmm. The, there's a number of, and I didn't calculate them all because I didn't want to hate on this program. But what we've always said is we say a number of things inside of almost every single episode is that pace will out. Oh, yes. You can cover up a lot of incredibly human failures inside of pace inside of a television program with good act portrayals, good special effects, and a modicum of storyline. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the modicum of storyline is incredibly thin here. The other thing is that the pace is slow. And it needs to not be slow. We're talking about people that can instantly transport from the frickin' moon to Earth and back and do all kinds of awesome things. And we don't see a lot of awesome things inside of this television program, yeah. Uh, especially after seeing what Canon is always showcased over the last almost four solid years mm-hmm. inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was looking for something spectacular. I don't know what that would have looked like on the IMAX screen because I'm not a, a regular IMAX goer and I can't tell you this is and that isn't in IMAX. Mm-hmm. But I wanted something different. So while you gave this a seven as an average, I've got to kick this down to a five. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a collective bunch of episodes. It really needs to step up. And I I envision that it will, that there's eight of them. I have to think that this is going to go someplace that is above a five. And that's where we ask you guys, what did you think of these first two episodes, episode one and episode two of the eight-run first offered series of Marvel Inhumans on ABC slash Hulu streaming services? Let us know what you think by going to our website over at agentsofshield.tv, click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us, what do you think? Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas
2: J. Hearn, your other host.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. To the mines.
1: We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication. Reviewing most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication.
0: Did I tell you how I froze my dad out of my house? No. Oh. Has it been long enough we haven't talked about that? Okay. In April. <laughs> in April, I got this new It's funny I put in the words flipper nut hooker. I got the flipper nut hooker. Flipper nut hooker. The flipper nut hooker AC system at home now. All like right. I'm not kidding, dude. Just fucking awesome. Yeah. And I, I haven't set anything. I'm letting Nest determine when we're there and like, what the weather is and what the green feather setting, blah, blah <laughs> letting it all figure it out. When, during the time that my dad's there, and he's there in May, so it was it was reasonably hot. Jeez. Anyway, he's there, and I get this call from him at, like, I don't know, 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. I'm at work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's wonderful, because he goes, <laughs> I'm fucking cold. And he, does, he goes, <laughs> dude your fucking air conditioning's burning me out here. How do I turn the fucker off? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, oh. You walk over it and you just you turn the dial down or up to whatever you want. It's like, oh, okay. And then uh, we, had a, we had a really good laugh about that when I got home. And he said, I'm sorry that your, your air conditioning unit froze me out. Because he's notorious for wanting it to be cold or cool. Mm. But not nearly as cool as it was inside my house, apparently. <laughs> so that was, that was a grand interaction that I will always remember.